Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. The ranch in July 2022 is a very different place to the one I visited in March of 2021. For one thing, it's not so cold that my water bottle freezes every night. But more notably, there's less tension in the air and no one's wearing a plate carrier. Not everyone who was there for the siege stayed. Some of them had only been visiting or they'd found other places to live since then. But Penny, Kat, Jen and Jay have been constants on the ranch since 2020. Something I've struggled with so far is giving a sense of just what a welcoming and friendly place the Tenacious Unicorn Ranch is. It's a thing I haven't really stopped thinking about since I first visited, and a thing that a lot of folks have been looking for for a very long time. Even in the worst times of the siege, when Penny and Jay barely slept, when Aldo was out running off treads with guns, or when Paul and I were sat up all night absolutely destroying the Costco snack melange that Penny had prepared for us, people always seemed to be laughing. When we sat down to talk about the siege, we started off by laughing. It's a difficult topic and it was a scary time, but I guess it's easier to laugh about it a year later when you know everyone's okay. Well, let's go over everyone's legal names, date of birth, social security number, maybe your um, uh, four-digit... Pi- what? Firearms owned, legally or otherwise. Yeah, list of fears, that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. Any kinks? Lots. We'll run past 45 minutes. A short list of kinks I don't have. We don't want this to be just a story about the worst week the ranch ever had. We want it to be a story about a community that overcame adversity and is thriving. That community extends way beyond the dome which unicorns call home, and even beyond the valley that they live in. But we should start with that valley. Because even at the peak of the siege, it seems like most people were on the unicorn's side. Or at least, they just wanted to leave them alone. It was because of warnings from other people in the valley that they knew to patrol their perimeter at night. Had they not been there, this might be a very different story. A year later, everyone in the valley values the unicorns being there. During the few days we spent there this summer, 
We visited neighbours for drinks. We went into town for donuts and coffee and dropped in on Jordan, the Tribune publisher, at his ranch. It's none of the other unicorns of pariahs sitting up in their house surrounded by guns and afraid of what's coming next. They're active members of the community and they're very welcome. There was a time when this community wasn't as friendly to queer people. But they've always been here. I spoke to Penny about this last year, while we drove to the recycling centre in the next county to recycle Westlift cans. Yeah, like we're doing the same thing y'all are doing. Like, you right. should not pick up on that. Like, yeah, yeah. Not to mention also that, like, there are queers here. Like, yeah, we, we, we know the first a, a wave. Lot. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like we're not breaking any fucking mold. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, we're definitely loud. We're not yeah, like, yeah. We, we, we didn't, like, get kowtowed and fucking, like, bent over and, like, told to shut up our whole life. So we're definitely like, fuck you, we're queer. Yeah. Um, and they don't like that. Like, yeah, I get no, it. Like, that's, I, yeah. that, makes, that makes old good old boys uncomfortable, and I get it. Also, fuck you. Like, yeah, no, we're going to be who we are, living yeah. the way we want to. Look, if you can hang two Trump flags and a Confederate flag from the back of your truck and drive down Main Street screaming fucking horrible, hateful things and feel perfectly justified in doing that, I'm gonna just be queer. Like, I'm gonna go ahead and be as loud as I want to be. Like, obviously you think it's okay to have personal expression. Yeah. Like, no, that's freedom really, of speech right there. Right? You really, really think it's okay. So, I'm gonna go ahead and take you up on that. Like, yeah, it's weird. They have this, like, yeah, well that's what they keep saying to us, right? It's like, well, you don't have to be in our face about it. I'm like, motherfucker, I'm just living. Yeah, like, I'm not like, you know, I'm not coming into your home and humping your couch. Like, yeah. I'm just <laughs> being alive. Like It can be easy, especially if you only connect with rural places through the media, to see cities as queer spaces and the countryside as unfriendly to queer people. Well, politics in rural America can be pretty bad, it's never really been true that queer people don't belong there. The unicorns pointed this out. Historically, if you know anything about history, like country spaces are queer fucking spaces. Like we're the ones out here doing the actual work while fucking old fucking cis white men just collect money from doing shitty ranching that damages animals, damages the earth and fucking does not build community or help anybody but themselves. Queer integration into country spaces is so fucking important because we bring heart and empathy and all these things uh, that that capitalism is stripped out of uh, these areas. Um, We we bring that back and we've always fucking been here. Like, fuck off. Real cowboys were constantly fucking. Constantly. (laughs) They fucked. A lot. Each other. And and they were mostly like black and brown people. Yeah, Yeah. 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 It wasn't white. The West was not white. And and by the way, like we have said this before and we'll say it again. Nature is inherently queer and we fucking belong here. Like we fucking belong wherever the fuck we go. Like that is a queer space. Uh, There is no like hard line that country spaces are for cis people. Fuck that. Like we belong here. We've always been here and we're really good at it. After the siege and its coverage, everyone knows that the unicorns are low tier queer icons. But they're only part of the local queer community, and they have other folks over for game nights once a week. They told us one story about Pride Month in Westcliff this year, and thankfully it didn't involve the ATF. There was a really adorable, uh, during Pride Month, we went to Family Dollar, uh, which is like one of the few stores in town. And um, <laughs> I guess we were talking to the manager who was checking us out, and, 
and uh, he mentioned like, oh yeah, like I have like, I have a gay and a trans work in here. Like, I, you know, I love y'all, you know? And it was, it was very, it was a little, a little embarrassing, but, but the heart was there. You yeah, know, and yeah. I was like, it was oh, very you just outed two of your employees. Yeah, I, was like, <laughs> I mean, you didn't say who, but it was, yeah. but the point is like, like even Family Dollar in middle it's of nowhere, true. Westcliff has two queer employees. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. it, um, it we're really, everywhere. Queer people had always been in the Valley but it had become harder to share who they were with their neighbors in recent decades. They never stopped existing, but they stopped being safe. Yeah, I mean... We're connecting with a lot of queer people that have lived here for a long time. Yeah, it's the fact that a community is so hostile that their queer community has to be closeted does not mean that the queer community isn't here. It just means that a lot of assholes are here. Don't Ask, Don't Tell, an institutional version of closeting, is something that Penny is very familiar with. She was in the army as a cavalry scout while the policy was still in place. If you're not familiar, Don't Ask, Don't Tell was a military policy that was in place from 1994 until 2011. Under the policy, anyone who wasn't straight was to remain in the closet, and in theory, they were protected from discrimination. But if they came out as gay or bi or trans or otherwise queer, they could be discharged. Queer people were not even allowed to talk about anything related to their queerness, because doing so, quote, would create an unacceptable risk to the high standards of morale, good order and discipline, and unit cohesion that are the essence of military capability. Don't ask, don't tell with a fucked up policy. Like, I, I had a boyfriend and a girlfriend when I was in the military. Um, and I definitely was like, this is my best friendo in Germany. And he comes over and sometimes spends the night because we're best friendos. I, I don't know. It was really, really damaging. It was just really, really damaging to like 100% not be able to be yourself. Um, but then also like be able to leave post and have a secret life where you were yourself, you know, like... And then when you go out with the guys, like, there's always those weird moments where you, like, do run into other gay locals that you have, like, known and, like, you've had deep conversations with in other contexts and just have to be like, no, like, don't, don't talk to me, like, we don't know each other. Um, which is, I'm sure, damaging for them, you know? Like, yeah. that can't be fucking normal. Like, I don't know. That's weird. Yeah. And then on the throw on top of that, that you're also a girl, like, you know what I mean? Like, so you're pretending to be a gay man who's straight sometimes around certain people, um, but really you're a gay, you're a bisexual woman, um, pre-surgery and with the wrong um, hormones. And so it just ends up being a soup of just like, compartmentalization to the point where you just like forget people and then they show back up and you're like oh yeah like you're from this quadrant of my life like i don't know it's not healthy yeah it doesn't do good things don't ask don't tell had pretty devastating consequences for the mental health of thousands of service people the national transgender discrimination survey found that 20 percent of trans people have served in the military over twice the rate of cisgender people but until very recently, they weren't even allowed to do so openly. Not being able to be yourself with people that you're expected to risk your life for isn't 
really conductive to good morale, or indeed, quote, the unit cohesion that is the essence of military capability. There's no doubt that being familiar with guns, something they gained from military experience, did help the unicorns. But it's not the only thing that helped them. Sometimes, especially on Twitter where things seem to get reduced to simple terms to fit into the discourse of the day, the Tenacious Unicorn Ranch story has been reduced to a story about guns. Undoubtedly, guns are a part of the story, but they would have been useless without community and solidarity. That is something that the unicorns at the ranch have taken to heart. A year later, they're doing mutual aid work with the Lakota people on the Pine Ridge Reservation, driving truckloads of donations to them every few months, and using their internet presence to get donations. If we want to look at this story as an example of anarchism in action, then it's important to remember that if we want a world where the state is not the only entity with the ability to do violence, then we should also want a world where it's not the only entity responsible for caring for people with unmet material needs. Alongside ranch work, Penny and Jay also make ends meet by working construction jobs on local buildings. Something that George from the Sentinel is very proud of, and that other local residents are beginning to regret, is that Custer County doesn't have a building code. Here's a snippet of his conversation with TL about that. And one example, TL, is that this county is so free, we don't even have building codes. If you want to live here, you can build yourself a shack with twigs and live in it. <laughs> you know, that's, uh, that's the way it is here in my little burg in uh, Texas, too. Yeah, so, yeah. So, Do you really need them? Do you really need them? I mean, that's something I, I, I think should be attacked in other ways. But <laughs> go ahead. But that's one of the things that, that make Custer County and one of the reasons I moved to this one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, building goes uh, basically uh, cause housing prices to, to uh, become unreachable for the middle class. The problem with this conservative utopian vision is that it has resulted in a lot of residents getting ripped off by less than upstanding builders, and now left with their homes falling apart. That's where Penny and Jay can step in and make a decent side income, drywalling and finishing buildings that, while often are not very old, are already crumbling. Like we've always said, um, this community is 99% awesome. Um, and that has held true. We, uh, we do contracting work uh, because there are no um, building codes in Custer County, uh, as opposed to what like the libertarian ideal of no building codes is. It actually just means that there's a bunch of shoddy houses that need repaired constantly. Um, and we have construction skills. So we're in people's homes uh, repairing them and uh, doing work for the actual people of the county daily. Um, we frequent businesses up here because we're all about local support. We build community um, glee gleefully. Way. We build community like we really enjoy it up here. Happy Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. 
obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through six X. Visit tomboyx.com. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for the eligible bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then... Fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. The community now is a little smaller than when James first visited. Currently, five people live at the ranch full time but they still have a couple of trailers open to trans folks in need of a safe place to stay or, you know, visiting journalists. Looking for a safe place to stay is how Jay first came to the ranch. Like a lot of us, she had a difficult time at the start of the pandemic. The world was changing, and it seemed in May of 2020 that America was as well. For a lot of people with less progressive parents, the BLM uprising presented a difficult choice between family and community. Jay was one of those people that had to face that choice. So, basically, um, I was living in Dallas, working retail, uh, when, living in my car when the um, pandemic started. And so I was furloughed. Uh, luckily, Texas is actually surprisingly good about unemployment, so I, you know, had that. Um, was my parents are retired from the military around there, and when the BLM uprisings happened, uh, I participated, you know, did some things, and basically, my parents were like, uh, "You either can stay here or and not be associated with Antifa." Or, you know, you, you can't stay here if you're associated with Antifa. And so I was like, okay, I'm, I guess I'm leaving then, which is fine. 
Um, there was a lot of tension there anyways. Uh, wasn't good for me. So um, I, because of the unemployment, I was like, okay, I've, you know, for once have some resources. I can just kind of, you know, I'm already living in my car. I can just kind of travel around for a bit. Why not? And um, I think I just posted on Twitter, like uh, trans commune win, you know, as, as probably most queer people have. And uh, one of my permaculture mutuals actually was like, Hey, have you heard of this place? It's not far from you. And posted a link to, I think it was the vice article. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I sent a message and uh, with a bunch of questions about it and making sure it wasn't, you know, like transmedicalists or anything like that. Which is always like what you want to see when somebody contacts the ranch like <laughs> about coming up. I way prefer an in-depth breakdown and a lot of questions to I'll just show up and figure it out. <laughs> in case you're not familiar with what a transmedicalist is, uh, we'll let Paul ask that question for you. And we're going to play this not to make Paul look bad. We're playing it for you because I think it's important to see what kind of space the ranch is. It's not one where you can't get things wrong. It's one where you can ask if you don't know something. And because everyone there had shown that they're willing to risk life and limb for one another, they assume that you're asking it because you care about them and you want to know how to say things in a way that won't hurt anyone. What the fuck is a transmedicalist? Someone who Ugh. thinks that, so primarily, oh, well, <laughs> so this is, does not describe any of us, but a transmedicalist is someone who uh, first and foremost thinks that all trans people should be on hormones, all trans people should have surgery, all trans people should strive towards, or yeah, not trans. And, and, and they don't believe in, yeah, yeah, and they don't believe in anything but the gender binary so, as well. So like basically if you don't want to transition directly from like, a male to a female or directly or whatever, from a female yeah. to a male, like you're not, you're not, then you're not, not a yeah. real trans yeah. person. Yep. Yeah. You're yep. not real. They're they they think, they think those interests. trans people are making it worse for other no, trans people. Sorry, you're not allowed sorry, to be non-binary. No, or, no, uh, so, so like, are, okay. So like, that was my next question. So like are non-binary Yeah. People? They hate those people. They think they're faking. So, but like, do they say they're not trans and yes. lump them into yeah. a different group? Yeah, yeah. No, they, they, they often call they them trans trenders because it's like okay. a popularity contest. Okay. They think. Okay. So yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. And no. those people suck. Jay has found a home at the ranch now, and just like everyone else there, she's a part of the family which takes care of one another. It was actually really funny because Jay showed up, and I, the assumption I thought was that you're just gonna stay for a little bit, and then you just didn't leave, and it was great. <laughs> Yeah, like it wasn't a problem. It was like, oh, it's Jay's thing. That's good. It was very natural. <laughs> it works out. This, yeah. this is exactly what you know. A lot of queer people talk about online, which is yeah. Well, and Jay brought a passion that we hadn't seen with a lot of people that had come up. A lot of people had come up with this, like, yeah, we'll just see what it is or whatever. But Jay came up with like knowledge about theory and like had studied and was really like conscientiously a part of this project. Um, which was huge. I mean, for me, like part of what Jay has been able to help with is organizing the moving of animals to different pastures. James was at the ranch last year when they were replacing their old fence and planning out their fields. I'll tear down this ratty ass fence um, and this back fence here uh, as we build the new kind of structure for the girls out in that field um, when we're doing the fence uh, heightening. Okay. So it's not only 
um, security increase, but we're also, we'll fence off the driveway and then the girls watch, the babies and mamas will actually get access all the way down the driveway and up this hill a little bit. Nice. Hey, babies, come on. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll just structure our fields a little bit better. And then the girls will have two pastures. Which is kind of which huge. we can rotate them into. Nice. Yeah, and yeah. then we can start actual permaculture. Yeah. Or is it permaculture? I, said... I mean, it's regener in this context, it's like regenerative agriculture. Thank you. That's but, what I was looking you for. You know, you yeah. can also, like, permaculture people do it too, you know. So. Yeah. But but what we're doing is... Re re it's both, really. We'll be doing both. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So you can use either... Jay's our expert, so... Okay. There's like, definitely an industry like, oh, oh, regenerative agriculture is the this... new thing, and but it's still capitalism, and it's still exploitative. But Plus, there are also people doing real regenerative Yeah. Talking with Jay, it's very evident just how passionate they are about these topics, and how things like biodiversity and regenerative and permaculture processes tie into many aspects of the ranch itself. The, you know, capitalist project is homogenization and simplification. The entire goal is things like monocrops. The entire goal is, you know, you know, the gender binary and controlling the reproduction of labor. Controlling cis women and queer gender expression is a big part of that. Like, you can't have those things and have a capitalist white supremacist environment where you can extract from the earth and from labor. That is such a key component of this whole, like, you know, Western project or whatever you want to call it. And nature doesn't care. Nature is queer. Nature, like nature just exists. Fungi have thousands of sexes and genders. Yeah. And that's fine. In fact, that's mandatory. In fact, like the part of the point of nature is biodiversity because that is the most effective method for actually iterating and testing what works and surviving and surviving. Yeah. And, and we're bimodal by the way, not binary. Like, and you know, if you need to look that up, you can go ahead and do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and permaculture in particular, uh, you know, some, one big problem with permaculture is there's a lot of white people who, uh, use the practices and don't acknowledge that it all comes from indigenous cultures. It all comes from indigenous lifeways. And they make a lot of money by not saying that, not, you know, so that's important to address. Uh, permaculture has its, you know, value, but if you're not learning from indigenous people and giving back to indigenous people, you're doing it wrong. Happy Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Bean Dad, The Dress. 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? 
why did the internet choose them, and what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time, and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for the eligible bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then... Fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Just because the immediate threat of armed men breaking into the ranch has gone away doesn't mean that they still don't have to be careful. In April of 2021, after the siege was over, the then-sheriff, Shannon Byerly, claimed that one of his deputies went to the ranch to ask questions about a road traffic accident that one of the ranchers had been involved in. He claimed the deputy was met by armed and uncooperative ranchers who barred the deputy from entering. Body cam video obtained by Reuters, thanks to a Public Records Act request, shows nothing of the sorts. The deputy met a single person, not visibly armed, who was polite and courteous. In subsequent interviews, Byerly acknowledged that he had been mistaken in his account. But we'll let you hear Jay's account of the events that day. So my Chevy Blazer had been sitting over the winter. Um, it had a bad alternator. And I finally, like, we finally got, you know, the money together fixed to replace the alternator. Um, looked it over. Everything seemed fine. Um... And I was going back to Texas to grab some stuff and bring it back. Um, and went around a, a apparently black ice corner. And it, I, I'm pretty sure what happened was my tire popped around. Like, go, I was only going like 35, 40 because, you know, black, there's ice. It's still it was went, early in the morning. Yeah, it was, it was like four or five o'clock in the morning or something like that. And... I'm pretty sure what happened was my tire popped and then my blazer proceeded to tumble, uh, you know, you had a rollover flip rollover. Yeah. yeah. Into the, uh, luckily not a ditch or anything just on the left, the South left side of the road. And so I called Penny and, uh, got picked up. Yeah. We take care of our own. We're not going to call the cops. It was, um, it only was you. No reason. And, yeah. and 
then I was like, okay, let me look at towing around the area. Let me see. And the towing, the local towing company, which is just like a small family owned one guy, one guy, basically um, they on their Facebook like business page, they said they opened at like nine or 10 or something like that. So So I was like, okay, so I'm, it's going to be on the side of the road until then. That's fine. I'll call. And I'm going to go to sleep until then because I was just in a rollover accident. You were probably concussed. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, probably whiplashed at yeah, least. Yeah, um, totally. And then, so I was in my trailer and I suddenly, in my PJs, and suddenly get a call from dispatch. And they're like, there's a deputy at your gate. Uh, you know, can you go blah, blah, blah. So I was like, okay. I take, took a vehicle down. In your PJs? In my PJs. I didn't, I didn't. I didn't have a pistol in the car or on me. And... Um, I basically just, you know, as you do with cops, as any sane human does, I answer to the extent that you're legally required to be polite, but also like, I'm not going to invite you on. I'm not going to be your friend. You don't need to be, you're here. not my friend. Yeah. Um, but you answered standoffish. And he, 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 you know, he did the usual, like, you know, were you, were you drinking? And, and I was like, it's like five o'clock in the morning. morning. Like yeah. it's like six o'clock right now. Like, yeah, like I was going back. I was driving back to Texas to pick up stuff. I was starting a road trip. That's not when you like get blitzed. Yeah. Like, um, I don't know. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, so he gave me his card and left. And wow, I, I was, was like, bad. okay, that's, you know, that's fine. That was weird. But, and it, it was weird to me too, that like they apparently have some kind of relationship with this towing guy yeah. where because they didn't even ask me like hey do you they want it to, towed to it. this like, place yeah um they just towed it before they even con- contacted yeah. me and so either you bring the title over to sign it over to the towing person or you pay him like four or five hundred dollars out here to bring it back here so that's what actually happened but then for some reason the local sheriff started telling a very different account of what took place outside the unicorn's driveway. So, so that, that was the start of That was the business. actual incident. Yeah. Then, Byerly, the sheriff, started getting interviewed. And in those interviews, he would say, they, there were six of them. They met us at the gate armed, were extremely hostile to the point where my, sh- my sheriff felt or my deputy felt fear for his life and had to retreat back. Yeah, we and don't know. He might've felt fear for his right. life. But uh, he also uh, said, PJs. we don't go there anymore. <laughs> scary. But he said on record, we don't go there anymore because it's too scary. Oh my God. And so that is setting us up to be killed. That is setting us up to be murked by it's police. Like, it's like, you know, this is uh, Kiwi farm says this all the time. Yeah. yeah. The, you, this is tranny Waco. Yeah. And that is the setup for it, it to become that. And so, because then now all of his deputies are just ready to shoot us on site because we're dangerous. A reporter from Reuters was looking into the incident and heard the conflicting stories from the sheriff and the unicorns, but she thought of an easy fix to definitively know what happened. She just FOIA'd the body cam footage, which proved unequivocally (laughs) that they were lying their fucking ass off and we were telling the truth. Uh, and Byerly retired this year. I don't know if. Well, and she, when she foia'd it, she went back. Oh, God. Yeah. And Byerly was like, can I remove my comments from because the Because she, she asked, she, she like, I don't know if it was a follow up. Well, she said, or, do you have any additional comments? 
And his additional comments were, can you please remove my, my previous statements from the record? I think she said no. <laughs> and she yeah. emphatically said no and then published it internationally. This wasn't the first suspect incident regarding the local sheriffs. When Paul was at the ranch in the immediate aftermath of the original siege, he witnessed cops hanging out with a group of people who were actively harassing the ranch. I was here for a week, and uh, at one point there was name. like 15 to 20 cars at uh, Chud Ranch, which it's up to you to release that location. Right. Chud we Chud just call it Chud Ranch. Ranch. Yep. But it's the ranch of Chud. You can, you, can you can see it from yes, the ranch. You can, you can see it from here. And um, there were two sheriff's deputies sitting at the curb yep. the entire time as those cars pulled in there. Yep. And they were yeah. protecting our harassers. Yeah, well, they were sitting there side by side talking to each other while the cars pulled in there. You yep. probably said have said this before, and I just don't didn't remember. Yeah, I mean, it must have been 20 of them. So the other end of that is then when uh, it got publicized, the sheriff then said, oh, we don't we don't know anything about it. Like they didn't contact us. We didn't. Yeah, they said they tried to take couldn't verify yeah. the, the statements made in the media about threats against the ranch. Exactly. Well, These were just hanging out at the fascist. Well, family. and they were super yeah. snooty about it. They made it sound like, well, the nation Corn ranch clearly doesn't want to be part of our community. So, yeah. like, so why would we help them? them. <laughs> that, that, was, that seemed to be the implication. Sheriff Byerly, who spoke at a 2015 Oath Keepers rally, has since resigned as sheriff. But for understandable reasons, the unicorns still don't dial 911 when they feel in danger. Instead, they reach out to Paul, to Aldo, and a network of community members who helped with their security both online and on the ground. They also routinely train with firearms, and have added a much more serious fence to the property than the one that the intruders climbed over in 2021. Right after James and I's most recent visit this past summer, Kiwi Farms started being in the news a lot more due to a campaign attempting to take it down, but as the hate forum entered the discourse again, the unicorns had started noticing cars driving past the ranch repeatedly, something that Paul, Aldo, and James observed during the siege. And now, in just the past few weeks, trans people have been killed in a nightclub just an hour away from their house, just a few miles away from the bar where we met them this past summer to celebrate Jay's birthday. Tomorrow, we'll talk about what those threats mean for the ranch and where they are now. It Could Happen Here is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through six X visit tomboyx.com. Bean dad, the dress 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online and Hey, I do too. 16th minute of fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? 
How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday.